Hi there, welcome to The Tint, a podcast dedicated to the art and science of natural style aquariums. I'm Scott Fellman, your host on this journey. And today, we're going to be talking about the limits to what we can do. As you know, I tend to push the limits quite a bit. Maybe not with the you know stunning, earth-shattering developments like being the first guy to breed the, the glass knife fish or something. Rather, I like to push the limits in terms of reevaluating the prevailing way we do stuff in our hobby. I tend to look at things from a slightly different perspective. A perspective like, that's what goes on in nature, so why do we always do it differently in the aquarium? I mean, sure, there's many things that we do in the hobby which are a result of us you know, working with a little 40-liter glass box as opposed to a 378-kilometer stretch of a tropical river. But the governing principles of how they work are the same, right? To put it simply, I can't create exactly the same dynamic that occurs in an open wild system, but I can replicate various aspects of its function and its form. And as I speak to more and more customers and newcomers to this idea of truly natural aquariums, I'm learning a lot about the hobby and the way we perceive the world. And I'm finding there's a definite hunger for not only inspiration from nature, but a lot of questions about why we as a hobby have been so hesitant to follow her lead in some areas for so very long. I think that there are a lot of reasons. And I think the reasons why we've developed guidelines, rules, and even habits in the aquarium culture for the past century or so, it's probably because they created boundaries of sorts, which, you know, they give the widest variety of aquarists the best possible chance of success. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it is cool to do things like what we do, tossing leaves and seed pods and soil in and allowing them to break down in aquariums. And that doesn't lead to an easy path to success for a lot of people. It's reproducible, but only to those who practice more careful, consistent husbandry, observation, and possess or somehow acquire an extreme amount of patience. Not everyone who enters the hobby has that type of abundance of patience. So it makes sense that rules and norms like water should be crystal clear, or one inch of fish per gallon of water, gulp, or siphon out all the detritus from the substrate, or don't feed more than your fishes can consume in five minutes, and stuff like that have stuck around for so many years. These are typically fundamental, reproducible techniques and principles, which, as I suggested above, uh, are typically able to give the largest amount of hobbyists the best chances to, for success if you, you know, adhere to them. So here along comes a group of outliers like our community pushing the outer limits of what's considered best practices in the hobby. Sort of shakes things up a bit. And like with most movements or questions or, or you know, that poke the status quo, practitioners of natural style botanical aquariums like us will typically find that it sort of plays out in a few phases. For example, phase one, you'll get immediate admonishment from the so-called establishment of the hobby. People wonder, well, why would you do such a thing? Or remind you that, you know, you can't do that because whatever. You know, as if to say, turn around, you're headed for that washed out bridge ahead. I mean, what you're doing pushes against what's common practice and therefore it must be dangerous somehow. Uh, typically the warnings are justified by bringing up the idea that the old boogeyman is out there, whatever he is, just waiting for the foolhardy hobbyist who dares challenge the status quo. And, you know, sometimes they're right. Not every rule or best practice in our hobby is you know, overly restrictive, rigid, or based on some assumptions. The nitrogen cycle, for example. It's like the speed of light. It's a speed limit imposed by nature that you can't really circumvent without incurring some sort of penalty. Those who attempt usually meet with the inevitable spanking from nature. On the other hand, when you question something that's more opinion-based, the opportunity to advance this hobby, it's wide open. 
like, you know, the idea of throwing in seed pods, leaves, and twigs into your tank with the intention that they not only serve as an aesthetic component, but as functional biological complements to your system. Then it gets interesting. You know, if you respect nature's rules and apply some of the conventional aquarium wisdom, whatever that is, about bioload, water quality management, and even husbandry within the context of your experiment, something really amazing happens. It works. You achieve a biological, functional, ecologically diverse, surprisingly stable, and altogether unique system. Fishes not only survive, but they thrive and even reproduce. The maintenance procedures don't become some difficult task. They simply involve, you know, evolving to fit the process that you've embraced. You develop a mindset and practical procedures. And that mindset tells you that you're doing what you're doing not only looks differently than what you've done before, it functions differently too. And that it's just another approach to keeping aquariums and a successful reproducible one at that. And then there's phase two. This is really an interesting time. You know, those who persevere with this botanical style approach, you endure the questions and the criticisms of fellow hobbyists and ultimately achieve success, share your work on social media and elsewhere. And those hushed whispers and stronger assertions about the dubious nature of your work uh, suddenly turn to questions. Fellow hobbyists want to know why, how, see pics. They want to learn how you did it, see what the benefits are. And if you take the time to explain and share those hows and whys, suddenly you can almost see the metaphoric light bulbs go off in their heads. It's kind of cool. It requires a definite mental shift, which we've talked about ad nauseum. The idea of utilizing materials that decompose, that add to the bioload of the aquarium, affect the water chemistry, and tint the water brown, it certainly requires and demands a different outlook and approach. Those of you who played with this stuff understand it. And interestingly, you learn that rules that apply to this approach are surprisingly similar to those that we've applied to other aspects of aquarium keeping. It's just reality. Yet, we all find that there is a long way to go, a long, long trail that you can push outwards and experiment, a lot of flexibility. Once you've made that mental shift that says, hey, it's okay to add natural materials and experiment with water chemistry and environmental manipulation, it suddenly becomes a lot more comfortable to experiment further. You look at the natural environment with a different perspective, one that asks why it is the way it is. And you start wondering, how can we replicate at least some of the unique habitats or some parts of the unique habitats that we encounter from a functional standpoint in our aquariums? It's a different approach. And that leads to phase three. Oh, the naysayers and the armchair critics are still going to be there. They're going to pontificate and they're going to judge your work, calling it a fad or a trend or a sideshow. Yet the broader community of the hobby starts to engage. They start asking even more questions. They're enamored with the look and the idea that it can give them a greater chance for success with the specific fishes they work with. You know, cichlid people, killifish people, beta people, whatever. The critics suddenly find that they don't have the personal practical experience with this approach to really levy anything more than the internet, Google-enabled, third-party referenced, you know, I knew a guy who tried that and his tank crashed to salt. This is tried and true stuff. We've seen that before. The reality that this fad is actually not all that different from what we've done for decades, other than the fact that it typically looks different, sounds a bit contrarian, and embraces a slightly different process, makes sense. Suddenly, more people come along and give it a shot. Some do their homework, they plan carefully, and they execute applying the time-honored you know, husbandry techniques, and they achieve success. They'll literally help write the book of best practices for the natural botanical style approach. 
others are going to fall to the just add a pinch of this and your fish will thrive mindset that's prevailed in some corners of the hobby for decades they'll attempt to circumvent some of nature's rules concerning aquarium management they'll fail to deploy patience and they'll utterly fail they'll kill all their fishes in the process those who are looking for a quick and easy route to a cool aquarium will continue to fail or experience mediocre results just as they would with any other approach. It's no different. Typically, they'll loudly proclaim that the, the approach doesn't work and it's dangerous. And of course, they'll fuel the critics in some sort of strange symbiosis. However, those who realize, even after failing, that this approach requires some different thinking, a different application of those generally accepted aquarium husbandry practices, you know, like going slowly, employing regular water changes, etc., and eventually regroup, will typically find success with this and many other approaches. And they'll share their experiences with others, and that'll help to add to the body of work that's out there. The critics are still going to be there, of course. However, their messages are going to become less and less impactful as more and more people succeed. And as long as they continue to regurgitate the warnings and misinformation based on other people's experience rather than their own. And yeah, the natural botanical style aquarium is an approach. It's a way to achieve success with tropical fishes. Not the best approach, just one of many approaches that can facilitate success if we make the attempt to understand what we're doing and apply common sense and patience. And here we are four years into our experience here at Tenon Aquatics, and we've seen this process, these phases play out. And I'm sure we still have a long way to go in order to master all the aspects of this approach, and there's many. We may never master them, really. However, with every new hobbyist that tries this, with every successful aquarium that's shared, and with every practice that we develop, study, and refine, we're assuring a real bright future for the tinted portion of the hobby that we play in. There's certainly some limits to what we can do, but there's really few limits to what we can attempt. It just takes research. It takes discipline, diligence, patience, and work. Oh, and a bit of courage. Maybe quite a bit. How exciting is that future? Very. Let's go there. Stay diligent. Stay studious. Stay resourceful, stay brave, stay open, and above all, stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Bellman. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and hope it provoked a few thoughts for you.